Welcome to church. Glad you have you have you all here. Amen. Amen. I'm excited. So, like I always do, I want to take a quick second and say thank you to everyone who is serving this morning. Uh, you guys make what we do possible. We came in the room today and it wasn't 105. <laughs> and the lights were on, the music was ready, and all the things were there. If you're changing poopy diapers back there, it's probably my kid. Thank you if you can hear my voice. <laughs> thank you very much. You are uh, essential to what we're doing here. And we're thankful that you guys, even if what you do goes unseen and you hear this later. Wonderful. Thank you for what you do because you make it possible. Amen. All right. So this morning, we got a boogie. So let's do this. But we've had a good time in service so far. Amen. Worship was great. Everything's been great so far. Glory to God. We've had a good service so far. Amen. So this is, um, technically, Ava and I were out of town last, well, not technically, we were out of town last week. If you want to hear any some funny stories about New Orleans, I can't share them from the pulpit, but if you want to hear some funny stories, if you know, you know. But uh, you can ask Gabriel about the things we saw and the strange things we saw while we were there, too. So, uh, you know, and if anybody's curious, you can carry a snake around on your shoulders and charge people to take pictures with it. If you need some money on the side, you can do that. Wow. John Parker's like, can I get a picture? No. No. I don't know. Just, let's just stay on the other side of the street. <laughs> Anyways. But um, this is part three of what we've been teaching on. Revival starts in the heart. Uh, I taught part one. Abra taught part two. I heard you guys had a great time last week. I heard, you guys, I heard a, lot of, a lot of response on last week. So, um, but we'll see how long this goes for. But this is part three. Amen. Um, this message as a whole, if you want to sum it up in a sentence, is about having a soft heart. If you don't have one, well, I believe we all do. But I'm saying but how to have it, how to about having a soft heart, how to get it, and how to keep it, and the, and the benefits of it. Uh, I'm, I'm not perfect, obviously, and it's a work in progress, but you know, I've been hard as a rock, and I've been not, so I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I think I said that last time. But anyways, um, we'll, get, we'll jump right into it. Uh, and as I teach, I talk fast. I apologize. Some people last time I taught said, hey, can I get your notes? I just did this. Here you go. <laughs> Because I talk too fast, and I only have so much time to get it done. So, uh, By guarding your heart, you guard your life. Also, by guarding your heart, you guard your worship and the word that you have in your heart. Uh, one of the things that we're going to get into today is um, talking about how the devil can come and steal the word in your heart. And kind of zooming in on that and breaking down some stuff so we understand that, yeah, we have the word in our hearts. Yeah, the devil can come and steal the word in your heart, but he can't just... Come in and steal it. There's more to it than that. The devil has no power. None. But yet he can still steal the word in our hearts? That isn't, you know what I mean? So we're going to get into that. And understand about having a soft heart and having our guards up and keeping the word in. Like I said, it's part three of the last time I taught. Or part two, really. That's part three. So, the level, oh, if you want to write this down, you can. The level of security that you maintain in your heart is the level of word you can keep in it. Because if we hear the word on Sundays and we just do whatever all week and, you know, or regular religious Christian stuff throughout the week, if you want to say it that way, and the devil comes and takes the word from us, well, then you only have so much word, right? right? There's only so much. Yeah, absolutely. The level of security that you maintain, well, I can't say we, but the level of security that we maintain in our hearts is the level of word we get to keep in it. Amen. 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 It's funny how it's my second note, but it's the last note out of eight pages, so <laughs> that's what I got this morning. But if you want to go real quick, I want to... Now, one thing that we've done at least 
well, I can say for confidently all last four weeks or every message that's ever been preached in this church, Hebrews 4.12 really explains, this is the NLT, but this really explains what the Word of God is and how we can use it, okay? Amen. Hebrews 4.12 says, that's really pretty, good job, y'all. Um, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged, two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, uh, between joint and marrow. And it says right here, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Amen. Wow, that's good. Amen. So basically, you can say, if there's stuff going on, I mean, I've been there. I've, I've been like, all right, there's something wrong inside of me. I, I've got this and this going on. It needs to go. How is it going to go? I have no idea. But i got to go to the Word and figure out how to get rid of it, right? Yeah. Well, you do that by meditating on the Word. And when you do that, it'll show you, essentially, you, your, your innermost thoughts and desires. Right. And then you can take where you're at and what the Word says and compare them. Amen. And then we make the change. We, make the des- we have the desire to go, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to do this and this and this. I don't want to be for God. I want to be on fire. Well, if we meditate on the Word like we ought to, it'll expose to us what's in our hearts. And you can reflect. It's like a filter. You can go, okay, well, I need to be like this. Well, then it's our job. And that's one of the reasons why I believe with all my heart why the Lord has it set up that way. Because the only other option is we're robots and we have to do what the Word says. But there's no commitment in that. There's no relationship in that. That's the only reason we exist. God already had millions and millions and millions of angels, but they have to do what God says. That's what their task is. You know, He wanted someone that would choose Him. And even if they mess up, choose Him again. That's what God wants out of people. That's what He wants out of mankind. Amen? Amen? All right, so like I said, if there's anything in us that needs to get out or be corrected or changed, we will, we will always first see what's wrong, or we'll always see it first in the Word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, Amen. Well, this is the same thing, but if we have anything in us that needs to be adjusted or cut out, because it is a sharp sword, it says, you can use the Word to do that. Amen? Amen. Uh, a quote from Averill, she shared this two weeks ago. God's Word is powerful. And it's always ready to work, but it doesn't always get to. Because the Word of God is a tool, you know. Otherwise, we would be a robot, like I said a second ago, and the Word of God would overpower us and make us the way we should be. That's not how God wants it, right? He wants us to choose the Word. He wants us to choose Him and choose His way. God's Word is powerful and always ready to work, but it doesn't always get to. God's word will keep us on track if we allow it to. If we will allow it, when we meditate on it, if we allow it to cut out the things we don't need, like by accepting correction when it comes, we can change. Basically, we can learn, change, and then grow. Amen? All right. Like I did last time I taught, I've got three sermons in one, so we're going (laughs) to change gears ever so often. I'm like, well, Lord, you're just going to have to put all this together. So this next chunk is the same I'm not changing sermons, it's just a different topic. But this next chunk is concerning our heart condition and worship. Amen? Amen? <clears throat> Excuse me. My mouth is a desert. Do you have any, is there any water I can drink? <laughs> Thank you so much. I should have grabbed some before I came up here. I really appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. All right, so concerning um, our heart condition and worship. With a hardened heart, and when I say hardened heart, you're going to hear me say that a lot. So I'm not saying you're off in a dark, dark place and you're a drug addict and all these things. No, but 
we can still have hard places in our hearts. Somebody could be on fire for God the most they think they can have. They can be going to church every week, but that one person really wronged them back when. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, yeah. That's wonderful. Um, you can have that one thing that happened in your life, that one person, and you kind of just, I don't want to loosely or insensitive, in an insensitive way say you never let it go, but if we have hard parts in our hearts about certain topics, certain people, certain things, that's a place of your heart that God doesn't have. He paid for all of our hearts, and he wants it all. And if we can give that to him, he can resolve the thing, and we can grow and get bigger and better. So with all that being said, with a hardened heart, we cannot worship as he desires us to. Hardened, in that way, hardened, we have, if our hearts are, I should say it this way, I wrote it down wrong. If our hearts are hardened, we really have no real access to him. Jesus bought access but if I'm hard as a rock or if I'm stubborn and bitter, I'm like, no, but all this stuff, I don't have the access to God available to me in that sense because I got stuff in the way. Wow. A hardened heart, with a hardened heart, we have no real access to him unless we give that to him. And we cannot experience his presence with a hardened heart. Amen? Amen? Amen. We can't. Amen. Now, like I said, when I say hardened, I don't mean hard as a rock, you're completely... You're some evil person. No, just little parts here and there. Well, that person did that back and all that stuff. And you can talk to your friends and you start spitting fire over lunch and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. People go through things. It's, I don't want to say it's life, but we also have a wonderful counselor Amen. who wants to get rid of that in us. You may look back, well, four years ago, this and this happened and it was horrible. Go to the Lord about it in a bigger, bigger way than you ever have before. And say, Lord, this really hurts. I don't like that this happened. What do I need to do? He's the counselor, Amen. and he wants to counsel us in all of those areas. Amen. And if it's the number one thing I tell anybody is, if it's important to you, it's important to him. Right. I don't care if somebody stole a matchbox car from you. I don't care. <laughs> and it just broke your heart, or if it ended, something happened and it ended up in a divorce or something like that. Two different sides of the spectrum there, you know what I mean? He's your counselor. He wants to get rid of that in your heart because if it's not there, he can have that part of your heart. Amen? Now, all right, I'll do, I, I told everybody I might do this. Um, <laughs> if we surrender those hard things to him, the anointing can remove the burden and the bondage, but it has to be surrendered. For example, we can't show up to church and get, try to get in the presence of God and you're like Harry on Home Alone going, fudge, 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 and you're angry and upset and, and all this stuff like that. He, if we don't give that to him, he can't do anything with it. You know, I can't, if this was my problem and I'm walking around like this, or I'm even walking around like this, it's behind my back and nobody can see it. But it's there and it's heavy, and you walk into worship and you're like, my hands are raised, you know, and I've... I've been in so many church services because of go ministries and stuff. And we'll talk about freedom in Christ and all these things. And these kids are so heavy. And by the end of the week, they're awesome. We walk in there and they're like, you know, they stand like Pee Wee Herman. And they're like, like this, you know. I've seen that, literally. I'm like, y'all, just, you know. But when we are weighed down like that, it's really difficult to worship the way he wants us to. I almost can say the, to worship the way we deserve to. Jesus paid for us, that open door, that freedom. We don't have to worry about anything. But it's, for, for people at times, it's hard to 
give those things up to him. You know, sometimes people hear things like, hey, you need to let that burden go. You need to give it to the Lord. And not, by, not just, just by faith. I mean, literally give it to him and it's gone. But sometimes people hear that and they go, but I've been dealing with this for 22 years. Two decades plus two, you know, and people get conditioned to carrying that burden and they're used to it. So it's, so it's a new thing when they go, get rid of it. How do I get rid of that? I've always had this, you know. It's new and the Lord wants to get rid of it because nobody's perfect. People have things happen in life, but there's this new, you're in this service today. There's this new level that the Lord wants to take us to and it starts with the heart. Amen. I got a lot of scripture. I say this every time I preach. I have scripture. It's on the way. I promise. Just hang tight. <laughs> okay. Um, amen. So here we go. We'll do this. Examples of a hardened heart. You can say it that way. Well, let me back up. There are certain things that can hinder us from worship. Things that can harden our hearts in the past, years ago, or things maybe you were raised a certain way and it can make you feel like you're unable to open up and worship as we should. And my note was, thankfully, if you want to title it this way, thankfully the hardening of a heart comes with a lot of fruit. It isn't just something hidden in the shadow under the rug. There's a lot of fruit that comes with If somebody is starting to get a hard heart or they had one for years and years and years, there's a lot of fruit and it's easy to identify, which is great because if you're that person or someone's listening to this recording later and they go, yeah, I got a hard heart. How do I get rid of this? Well, there's fruit. If you can identify the fruit, you can identify the problem, and then you can look at the word and resolve it. Amen? So just a couple of examples, for example, well, you know what I mean, is have you ever noticed, for, just for the sake of an example, have you ever noticed that when you're mad or upset or frustrated, um, <laughs> we've done this to John Parker, there's been times he's been frustrated with Ezra, and, uh, and I'm not just saying this because he's a little kid. I do, we do the same thing as adults. Uh, he'll... We'll see, what do I want to, I want to say this? Okay, so they'll both be hanging out. One of them has a tablet or something. Ezra yanks it out of his hands. Ezra gets mad, or John Parker gets mad. Ezra was wrong to steal it, so he should, you know, maybe get a paddle or something like that. But John Parker has a bad attitude, which kind of trumps the stealing of the tablet. So now John Parker has to get the spanking, because it was just a, hey, you can't do that. And he did, maybe he did something. I'm just making this up as I go. Okay, we've had times like that. I'm like, sweetheart, you need to calm down and worship the Lord. And he's like... I don't want to worship God. You know, it's really tough to worship when you're in that situation. But if you look at it with this service in mind, you can say, oh, that situation is trying to harden his heart. I know that's really elementary, like really basic, but you could be at work. Somebody could make you upset and you should go and worship, but you're going, but they did this and this and, you know, and then if, an angel showed up to you and said, hey, you should worship the Lord. You you worship the Lord. I'm frustrated right now. And of course, you know, you know, I'm just saying. So my point is, is that's a situation where hardening of heart would keep you from what you should be able to have access to. Amen? Number two, uh, there are times, I'm going to stare at this because I don't want anybody to think I'm looking at any or thinking of anybody in particular because I'm not. I promise. Uh, there are times where we hear from the pulpit, hey, let's all stand uh, and lift our hands, right? Well, everybody has basically no problem standing. The Catholics do it. They stand, they kneel, they sit down. They all, everybody stands, right? For some reason, when it's the lifting of hands, people go, oh, man, oh, my gosh. I can't lift my hands. You know, something, I might get shot or something. I can't, I can't or whatever. People do that, and I don't know why. Um, 
I was, years ago, when I, wasn't, when I first got saved, back in like 2006, I was like, I, I was uncomfortable with it. And eventually I was like, oh, it's God. Maybe I should lift my hands. That might be a good idea. And I kind of just got over it and did it, you know? And then it was a wonderful thing that I did. But I'll read my notes and keep rambling. But for example, people can say from the pulpit, let's all stand and lift our hands. We stand up just fine. But when the person teaching says, let's lift our hands, for some reason, we have issues. I don't know why. It's not us. It's any church. Even a church that strongly teaches to lift your hands. Sometimes there's a scripture right here. Psalm 134.2. This is the NLT. And it says, lift your hands towards the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Scriptural proof we should lift our hands. Amplified Classic says, lift up your hands in holiness and to the sanctuary and bless the Lord affectionately and gratefully praise him. So now we can see here scripturally that lifting our hands blesses the Lord. But there's times we say, all oh, stand, everybody stands, and we lift our hands. And we, I've seen people, they already have their, like this, and they move their coat, and like, your hands are going in the opposite direction. If I told you to go to Minnesota, you just went to Florida. I mean, it's the opposite direction. You know, unless you're going to like Cancun, I'll come with you. But, <laughs> but you know, and, and, I, and I can't say I don't understand because I've already been there, so I do get it. But the issue is that as a body of Christ, we see here that there's scriptural proof that we should lift our hands. And that it blesses God. And we can even be led from a person in the pulpit to lift our hands. But people still don't do it. So we've seen in here that we should. From the pulpit we get instructed, but we don't do it. Well, I wasn't raised that way. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Well, the word says that it blesses the Lord. No offense to me or anybody, but it's more important than how I feel. Amen? But then you have to look at concerning this particular service. Why would someone say, no, that's not for me? Why would they do that? Hardness of heart. I'm not saying they're completely consumed with hardness and they're the evilest, bitter person in the world. No, but there's itty bitty little areas in their heart where it's keeping them from lifting their hands. Like I said earlier, that's a place in your heart that God wants. It's basically a place not surrendered to him. And I say that just because I'm guilty of it. I mean... You know, years ago I had to learn to get over it and lift my hands. And then um, and there's times in, at Living Word we'd have Holy Ghost services and things and the power of God would show up. And, and looking in hindsight now, I look back and go, man, if I had not been obedient to do things like this and follow the prompting from the pulpit, I would have been completely left out. The whole room would have been on fire, people laughing in the Holy Ghost, people falling out. And I would have been standing there like a lump on a log. Well, at least my hands are warm. You know, I got my hands in my pockets, you know. You know, I would have totally missed out on it. And like I said, hindsight, looking back, I go, okay, I'm really thankful that I was able, or at a place where I knew, I mean, of course, everyone in Go Ministries had their hands raised, so if I didn't have mine, I'd be the odd man out. But my heart was still there. I didn't just do it because they were. And I was able to benefit and take part in that service. Like we taught uh, two, April's part two and my part one. We would have missed out. I would have missed out on that if I had, no. No, I'm not comfortable lifting my hands. And kept that place hard, I would have missed out on it. Amen. Those are some of those powerful services I've ever been in my entire life. I've been so, I was so drunk in the Holy Ghost, I couldn't walk. And I was like, apparently God's real. I'm glad I came to this internship. Uh, this is news to me, because I've only been saved like eight weeks. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm or at least really committed to the Lord, I should say it that way. So like I said, the issue is that people don't follow the prompting from the pulpit, or the word says to lift your hands, and people don't. But Why? It's a hardness of heart. And really, the example here is, 
Um, lifting our hands is just one example of many. This whole service isn't about lifting our hands. It's just we see scriptural proof. We get a prompting to do it, but then people don't do it. But why? Hardness of heart. But you can get rid of the lifting of hands and put anything else in there. Tithe. Worship at home. Read your Bible at home. All this stuff or whatever. Prime yourself before you get to church so you're ready to receive. Stuff like that. Whatever you want to put in that little topic. The reason why people don't do those things is because of hardness of heart. Amen? Amen. Um, so anyways, I want to move on real quick. Dries a... Whatever now. Hold on out. <clears throat> okay, so... Like I said, now if we think about this, why would someone not want to lift their hands to God? You know, they're not lifting their hands because of it's an issue in their heart. Amen? But what I want people to understand, if you do have an issue with, like, I'm looking down here for a second. If you don't like lifting your hands, I want you to understand that we're lifting our hands to God together. If I was up here and had a mic, and well, I knew, but I mean, you know, I had a hand mic and I was saying, let's all lift our hands. You're not lifting your hands to me. You're not lifting your hands to make me feel good. Uh, you're, you're, we're lifting our hands to God. We're worshiping Jesus. We're not, you're not worshiping me. Amen? And one of the examples is, um, <laughs> one of the examples is you can, you can hop on YouTube and pull up any big band name. You can find a stadium full of 60,000 people, and they're all screaming their heads off singing, Whoa, living out of prayer. <laughs> you know, and they're all okay with that. But then they come to church and, and it's just a heart condition. Amen. That's all it is. Amen. You know, and the part of that, the part of the heart that I want to talk about today is if, if God's going to fully do in this church what he wants to do concerning the vision of this church and the growth and all those things, it's not just this pulpit. It's what convinced me the most that, hey, maybe I should get my life together. Hey, maybe I should do something for the Lord and sort of running around and doing all this stupid stuff in the world was people around me that had the Word of God working in their lives. I had seen people in school that were the Christian people and they wore the Christian shirts and whatever, and none of that convinced me. I was like, oh, I'm glad. I'm great, great for you. I'm glad you're a Christian. I'm doing my own thing right now. The only thing that really made me pull over, and essentially, and examine my life was somebody that had the Word of God working in their life. And it made me hungry for it. And I went, hmm, well, if that's working for you, it can work for me. Why not? And that's how people are going to get drawn. Amen? So don't feel embarrassed. It's time to worship the Lord. It's time to worship Him. Amen? So we're going to jump into some scripture now, but i got one more thing real quick, and we got time. So, so talking about the hardness of heart, if, you, if we need to get into it, we can. Um, you could even say, okay, well, why does that person have hardness of heart? If it's towards worship. Somebody could be great, but it's just those little areas of church. Maybe they got burned as a kid. Not literally, but I mean like got hurt in church or something like that, right? Something happened down the line. Something happened over time that got us to a place where we feel uncomfortable in those things. Well, just to, if you want some physical proof, I could stop right now, go into Super Kids, put on some praise music with every kid in there and say, hey, let's worship the Lord and start jumping up and down, lift my hands and start shouting loud and singing. Every single kid will chime in. Why? They don't have hard hearts. <laughs> they don't. And it's a lot of times we, the reason we're going to move into now guarding your heart again, but that's exactly my point. Those kids in there are pure still. They don't have hard hearts. Or you could say they haven't been 
in situations in life where things maybe came up and those things tried to harden their hearts. They haven't had anything like happen in their life yet. And as an adult, a lot of times people have had things like that happen. So now we have to step back and do a self-examination with this and go, Lord, where am I missing it? What's wrong with, is there anything wrong in my heart? I feel like I'm good, but maybe there's 20 things and I'm missing it, you know? And this is what we, how we do it. We get with that Hebrews, was it 4.12 I gave you? Hebrews 4.12. And we use the word of God to show us where we're really at. Amen? Amen. 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 So, like I said, we cannot allow the things that happen in life to keep us hardened and away from God. It's time to step up and get out of those things, get those things out of our hearts. Amen? Amen. Um, well, I'll say it this way. Many people are hardened, even just a little bit, and don't even know it because they're just used to it, like I said earlier. Um, I, there was a thing that came up like a year and a half ago, and everybody helped me bring it to my attention, and I went, wow, I am really bitter over that. I didn't even realize it. I was like, man, how much time have I wasted being bitter over that? What a waste of time. What a waste of energy. What a weight to carry. And I didn't even know I was carrying it. And I feel so much better now that it's gone. Amen? Amen. Um, so I wrote down, I was bitter about a certain thing for years and didn't even know it until someone brought it to my attention. And with this, I got rid of it. So with that being said, never be quick to say, well, you don't know what they did. Never be quick to say, well, you don't know what I've been through. No, I don't, but Jesus does, and he's your comforter and your counselor. Get with him and get rid of it. You don't need to carry around that junk. Any parts of your heart that have that burden and that hindrance in there are stuff that the Lord doesn't, he can't access, and we don't need that, amen? And the reason I'm saying that is because we need to stop and look at that for, and pay attention to that because what we're talking about is your heart. Your heart is the place where God speaks to you. And that's the reason why you can meet Christians who believe in God, but they go, well, God never speaks to me. And they say it just like that. Well, God never, you know, they're a little angry and frustrated with it. Like, I've been trying to talk to God, but it seems like the line's dead. He won't talk to me. He talks to you, but he... hardness of heart. Your heart is where God speaks to us. And essentially, it's where, I'll say it again later, but it's also where he hears our prayers. Amen. You might find somebody out in the world who might try praying and they don't get their prayers answered. Why? Well, if you've got a heart of stone, God can't speak to you. We can't change or grow or learn or anything. We've got to get rid of that hardness first. Amen? Write this down real quick. If you allow it in your heart, you allow it in your life. Amen? Stop. Guard your heart. Don't let stuff in. And now we're going to jump into this and we're going to wrap things up. If you allow it in your heart, you know how stuff gets in your heart. You all know that. The windows, gates of your heart. You will, if you allow it in your heart, you allow it in your life. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 4.23 in the Passion says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart. And that doesn't just mean don't watch bad movies. Don't look at things on the internet. Don't just listen to bad music or stuff like that. Guard the affections of your heart. It means keep bitterness out of your heart. Right. Don't allow offense in. Right. That's why he's our counselor. If you need to get before the Lord and say, Man, Lord, I'm, not gonna, I'm sorry, but today stunk. Today was really hard. I had some people that were really, really mean to me today and all this stuff. That's why he's our counselor. We can get with him and he can say, well, I'm very, I love you. I'm sorry. This is what we need to do to resolve the issue, blah, 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 blah. And you get your answers and we move on. Amen. Otherwise, the only other option is this. You're at work. So-and-so says this thing. You're sitting there going, how dare they say that? And the devil's sitting there feeding you. How dare they say that? 
they don't need to say that. You're too good for that. But you're not bold enough to say anything about it. So you just bury it. And then it turns into bitterness. Whew. And that is, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's how the devil steals stuff from you. The devil doesn't come in here, boom, baby, and he comes in the door and he's ready with a bucket to steal the word inside of you. No, that's not how this works. No, the devil has no power, none. And there's so many Christians that are like, oh, don't say that. You'll take him off. He has no power. He has none. And he knows it. And that's why he's deceptive. He's sitting there going, well, I have no power. I have no key to their door to their house. I got to find a way in. He's literally he's walking around going, I can't use my hands because I have no power. I can't open an unlocked window. I can't go in the door. I have to find a way to have them let me in. And then I can sit in their kitchen and I'm going, ha at least I'm inside now. I can't open the cupboards or the fridge, but I got to find a way to get them to let me do it. That's how the devil steals stuff from you. That's how he steals the word. That's how he destroys families. That's how he steals, kills, and destroys. Now, I'm not giving the devil credit, but that's a pretty smart plan. I'm not going to lie. Because he's sitting there going, I have no power. I can't strangle you because I have nothing to offer them concerning power. I have to let, find a way to let them let me kill them. And he does it. It's ridiculous. But he does it. And one of the ways he does it is with bitterness and offense. That's how he gets in. That's how he causes division. Amen? So like I said, we have to guard the affections of our heart for, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows this wellspring of life. Or you can say from there flows the stuff of your life, your success, your relationships, your peace, how you sleep at night. Amen? Amen. In the, uh, that's verse 23 in the Proverbs 4.23. Verse 21 in the New King James says, don't let, talking about the word of God, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them in. So when you get the word in you, don't let it out. Or if you did let it out, put your guard back up. Not a wall, like you're cold in a wall, but put the wall up. I'm not letting that junk in anymore. And a lot of times, you really do have to sit down and just examine your life. Amen. You kind of have to sit down at your desk with the Lord and say, all right, we need to have a board meeting. You pull up a chair for worry, pull up a chair for doubt, pull up a chair for lack, have the Lord, all right, let's do this. And say, I'm tired of the way my life is. I've been doing this and this and this. This ain't working no more. You give uh, doubt its pink slip. You give fear its pink slip, and you're fired. Get out of here. Lord, I want you to show me how I'm going to change my life. And when you make that decisive decision, you'll be okay going, maybe I shouldn't do Instagram anymore. And you just don't do it anymore. If the Lord says you need to keep posting scriptures, you post your scriptures and you're done. I think a lot of trouble comes from Christians when they sit and keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and you find stuff that you shouldn't find and you just keep on going. And then, uh, you know, if you have bitterness in your heart, you don't need to feed it. If you have offense, you don't need to feed it. If you have an addiction or whatever, you don't need to feed it. Amen? And all that, you may think, oh, those are really good ideas. Well, the change comes from when we finally go, you know what? Enough's enough. I got to make some decisive decisions here. You know, because I know it's super popular and trending to be online. I'm barely ever on social media because I want to guard my heart. Not that I have a problem with it. I just would rather put my energy and time towards something else. And I like my privacy. And if you want to know about my kids, 
come over to the house or look at Ava's page. You know, that's just, that's just kind of where I'm at. You know, if you want to learn, come over or call me or something like that. It's just my personality, but just the way it is. So anyways, keep his words in the midst of your heart. Don't let them out. I've only got three pages left, and they're quick. And I've got a lot more scriptures to give you guys. So looks like looks like we'll end up and quitting service right on time. I'll try my best. Um, what did we just read? Was it 423 Proverbs? Which was the Passion and the New King James. Um, oh, I see what I did. Okay, so Proverbs 423 Oh, I see. Okay. Anyways, the Passion Translation says, Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, I love this scripture, then as you unwrap my words, not just, oh, look, there it is. That's great. As you unwrap my words, right? As you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. Having a hard heart hinders us, and he can't speak to us. I didn't say he's not speaking. It's just we just can't receive it. Receiver is down. It's unplugged or the antenna is broken or whatever. If we have a hardness of heart, it's really hard to hear the Lord. And I think a lot of baby Christians, when they start out, they go, well, I don't hear from the Lord. But the more and more they attend church, receive from the message, and are doing this at home, the newer and newer and newer and newer their heart becomes. And then they start hearing from the Lord. And they go, this is awesome. And like I said earlier, they start seeing the word work but it won't work if you have a hard heart. Um, like I said earlier, well, him being a wonderful counselor, these are two scriptures to back that up. Isaiah 9, 6. Forgive me, I don't remember what translation this is. I think it's New King James, but it's okay if you don't put it up. It's not a big deal. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That's in Isaiah. So Jesus is our counselor, amen? John 15, 26 in the Amplified Classic says, but when the Comforter and the Counselor comes, you can read the rest of that scripture later, but... Again, they call him the comforter and the counselor. Amen. So rather than sit bitter and not know how to get through things and you're so frustrated, I can't believe they did that. How dare Stop. You're wasting energy. I, hate, I don't like saying it, but time doesn't ever stop. I can't speed it up. I can't slow it down. Time wasted is time wasted. So why waste time bitter? Amen. Why waste time hard in your heart? Why waste time in offense? And they shouldn't have said this and that. And just get rid of it. Got rid of it. God has so many more things he wants to do in us, but those things he wants to do start in our heart. Amen? Amen? So I just said this, but so if things in life are trying to turn us bitter or offended, stop and take it to Jesus. Don't allow the bitterness and offense in. Take it to the Lord and address it, and it won't stay in you. And then, like I said at the beginning, you guard your heart, which guards your worship, which keeps access to God. Amen? Not that the access ever goes away. It's just really hard to access him. It's almost like you had a clear path to the Lord and bitterness shows up and now you got a 20-foot snow pile and you're going, great, awesome. Got to climb that, but you can't. It's iced over and you can't get up it. You're like, oh, nice. Jesus is right there, but there's this thing. Well, thankfully, he's our counselor and he can show us how to get rid of that. Amen? How to melt that down and get back on track. Amen? If you can, write this down. The soil of our hearts needs to be soft not pliable, I'm using the word plantable. I don't even know if that's a word you can necessarily use. But the soil of our hearts needs to be soft and plantable. So when, so when the word is sown into our hearts, it can grow. Amen. Amen? The condition of our heart determines whether we hear from God and if he hears from us. 
concerning, talking about our prayers. Amen? Now, this is a really good scripture. I read this last time, but I read it again last night. and went, man, I, wow, I, just, I saw so much more in this scripture. Um, so here's a scripture, to, just, well, two really, um, just going along the lines of our, the condition of our hearts. Okay? This is Matthew 13, 14, and the New King James. It says, hearing you will hear. Well, this isn't you. This is an example, but at the bottom part is, is for us. You can say it that way. Hearing you will hear, and you shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. For the hearts, so it's a heart issue for these people that they're talking about, okay? For the hearts of this, of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Yeah. Now, this is important right here. Well, it's all important, but you know what I mean. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand. That's a big word right there for what we're talking about. Lest they should understand with their hearts. Hearts. Understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Understanding God and the word, in his word, is not done with the natural mind. That's why so many people aren't into the word. Because they read it and go, what? What is this? And it makes no sense to them. It, well, it's not a math book. It's a spiritual book. It's, 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 you have to understand it with your... I mean, I guess you could say it this way. If you understand it with your heart, your spirit, maybe it'll make sense to your mind, but you're not going to read it and go, oh, that makes sense. It's a heart thing. If you could have a heart black as black, as black ice or whatever, you're not going to understand the word. It's not that you've got to get rid of that hard heart first. And the, the, the more pure our heart becomes, the more we can understand. Amen. We understand, like I just said, we understand and comprehend the word with our hearts. And it says we need to understand and comprehend the word because our healing depends on it. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all with me? Amen. Amen. It takes place first in the heart. And this is a big one. I have it in bold. If our hearts are unteachable, offended and bitter, even about the littlest thing, we will, we will be at a place where the enemy can steal the word from us and we cannot understand the word. That's just if a person got hard in their hearts and just stayed that way. You may think, why doesn't that person, why did they leave the church so wrong? How come they're not around anymore? I never see them at anything, conventions or nothing. They're just kind of poof, gone. What happened? Well, the devil has no power over them. He didn't kick in the door and, and force them to leave church. No. He apparently got welcomed in. And then the devil did his thing because... He's inside. And he'll say, hey, you know, I, uh, they really shouldn't have done you that way. <sighs> they really shouldn't have done me that way. And all the times they cussed you out and they were so mean to you, how dare they do that? Sitting at your kitchen table telling you this. And you're going, <clears throat> maybe they knew they never should have done that. And you get mad. But you have no one to talk to because if we don't understand that the counselor is our counselor, we get bitter and harness it. And then somebody says one little, eating me little thing of correction from the pulpit of any church. And they go, oh. How dare they say that? And then they leave. Poof, gone. Yeah, yeah. The devil's like, woo-woo! And then we're all sitting here going, come on! There's a better way to do this. Yeah. We don't ever have to be those people. Amen? Amen. That's right. Amen? Hardness of heart concerning that. If our hearts are hardened, he can't. He's speaking, but we can't hear it. He can't speak to us. He may be speaking and talking a lot, but it just doesn't get through to us. So like I said, the soil of our hearts needs to be soft and plantable so when the word is sown into our hearts it can grow amen, amen? amen. we're almost done i promise 
if you want to write down more, more Mark 4.15 in the Passion. This is really good. I, have, I somehow missed this scripture in this translation. I've read this for years. I just didn't. This is fresh out of the oven from this morning. So, yeah, it's a little warm. Um, this is good. Mark 4.15 in the Passion. It says, I'm actually going to read it to you, and then I'm going to go back and reiterate some stuff, okay? It says, what falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the message. But immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their hearts, okay? Well, if you look at this, it says, what falls on the beaten path. So when I read that and I saw, I saw the word fall, I thought, okay, that'd be like me going to the storage thing, grabbing a bag of seed. It happens to have a tear on the bottom. It's sad all winter and fall, that kind of thing, or whatever, or fall and winter. And then I'm going to plant seeds. So I'm walking by a bag of corn. It has a little hole. And as I walk like this or whatever, little corn you know, seeds fall out or whatever. And they're on there. There's a little trail. Okay? Essentially, that's the, that's the word of God. Okay? So that seed is not guarded, sitting on the grass for birds to eat, whatever. It's not protected. And most importantly, it's not planted correctly. It's just sitting there. It's no different than my Bible just sitting on the floor. It's not guarded. Someone could step on it and rip it and slip and fall, whatever. It's, that's what that, so look, with that in mind, what falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the message. But then Satan comes and steals it. Well, it's just sitting there. There's no guard. There's no protection, right? Well, if you want to break this down even more, I, rec- I saw this this morning. It says, what falls on the beaten path? The beaten path means it's hard. Wow. It's hard. If you were to go out to the, well, you could probably pick any farm. They got lots of dirt out there dirt roads and things like that. And the ones that are you know, good roads and they're not muddy and whatnot, they're really hard. They're hard as a rock sometimes. They have a huge equipment that goes over that weigh tons. And that dirt is really comp- compacted and it's even hard to get a shovel in there. I've got parts of my property that are like that. I can't even get a shovel through it. I'd almost have to get something to chisel a spot and then I can get a shovel in there and get to the softer stuff down below. My point is you can't plant seed in a field that isn't tilled. If that ground is hard as a rock, I, can, I don't care if you, I could put four tons of seed out there. I am not getting a harvest. <laughs> it's seeds just sitting on top of the soil. It's not guarded. It's not protected. And it's not planted right. What falls on the beaten path is not guarded and planted correctly. That seed that's on the beaten path represents those who hear the message, but don't guard their hearts. So then Satan shows up and snatches it from their hearts. Why? It's fair game. It's just sitting there. Maybe, you know, if different, if I went on someone's property who's trying to plant a garden, they're just, here's some seed, just thrown on the ground. Well, if I was a thief, I could come behind them and scoop up those seeds and go plant them at my house. Why? Fair game. I mean, it's not because I'm stealing it, but it's not like I had to go dig the seed out of the ground. It's just sitting there on the top. We don't need to be that way. If we're guarding our hearts and our hearts are soft soil, when we're sowing the word like we are right now, it can go into your heart and tomorrow morning you can have a harvest. When you, go back and, when you go back and look at your notes, amen? Amen? amen. So, like I said earlier, I even put in quotations, just in case, I want everyone to know, Satan has no power over you. Amen. None. You can say whatever you want about the devil. I mean, I've met myself included. Oh, gosh, don't say that. You'll make him mad. We'll get a car wreck or something crazy. No! He has no power over you. None. Zero percent. Zero percent. The battery's been drained and thrown away. He is a device sitting in the pantry with no battery. He has no power. None. But he can do things in our lives if we give him access. And like I said earlier, he gets access through offense, bitterness, 
Things that happen. Amen? So I said, Satan has no power over you, none. If we're open to him, he can come in and steal the word from us, essentially, when he's welcomed. But he can't just walk in and steal the word. He doesn't walk in like a robber or something and put a gun to your head. You give me that seed now. Give me the word of God. Oh, man, the devil came and robbed my heart last night. It was horrible. Like, it's not how this works. He has no power, none. He does not have any power over you, which is great news because that means we are in full charge of our lives. If you like your life and it's going great, good. Keep doing what you're doing. If your life doesn't look like the way you want it to, get before the counselor, have him soften your ground, and when you come to church, you'll be here the word, and your life can start to change. Unfortunately, I can't speak that for every church because not every church in the world preaches the word of God. This one does. So you can get harvest, amen? That's how it works. So like I said, but he can't just walk in and steal the word sown in your hearts. But he will do that if we're not guarded. Okay? Basically, you could say, not even just welcomed in, you could just say if the door was left open. You don't want flies and bugs in your house getting all over your dinner at night? Don't leave the door open. Amen? Amen. I've heard Jeremy Pearson say, if you've got a bag of gold, you don't leave it in the front yard. He's like, maybe if you had like billions and billions, and you're like, man, whatever, and you've got tons in the safe. He's like, but the average person, if you have a bag of gold, you don't leave it in the front yard. You know, you don't leave silver laying around. No, you put it somewhere safe. Why? You guard it. You protect it. You want to keep that stuff in the safe and keep out anybody that wants to take it. So it's the same situation. Amen? So like I said, he really has no power to steal anything from you. He needs you to allow him to take it. So we don't do that. Amen? I'll read it again, but like, just because we can so like I said earlier, he steals the word from you by, you know, I'll just, I won't get into it. I'll just say, you know, did you hear what they said about me? I can't believe they said that. And your blood pressure starts to boil. And like I said a second ago, but you're not bold enough to fight back. So you hold it inside and you get bitter and all this stuff. That's how the devil works. Like if you didn't write that down earlier, now you can. That's how the devil does it. That's how he gets in. Little things like that. I mean, literally, I think the devil must have had to have a board meeting when they got on the earth. They're like, all right, y'all. Sorry, we failed in heaven. Now we've got to find a way to get in mankind's heart. Anybody have any ideas? You know? We can go kick on down their doors. We don't have any power. It's been eliminated. We can make them sick. I can't just make them sick. I don't have any power. Well, we, could, we could do this and kill their whatever. We don't have any power. We literally have to get them to let us in the door to, and then let, you know, don't stab me, don't stab me. Okay, go ahead. You know, and then we can stab them because they have to willingly let us do it. It's the only way the devil can make you bitter. So if you can, reflect on that. Go, man, I've been bitter and offensive about this for years. Well, whose choice is that? If the devil made you bitter, well, where did it come from? Fortunately, we let it in. And a lot of times when people are offended or bitter and things like that, all of our attention and energy is focused on that other person. Well, they did this. Well, they did that. And they hurt me this way. And I can't forgive them. I can't let... It's up to us. If you want the devil to stop running rampant in your heart like that, we have to decide, that's enough. That's enough. Amen? Amen? Confess this with me. I give the devil no place in my heart. Amen. Amen. All right, one more scripture, and we're going to wrap up on time, okay? Our hearts should remain soft, plantable, and will remain that way if it's guarded. Amen? 
So when the word goes forth and is planted, it won't be stolen and handed over to him. If our soil is soft, the word can grow. Amen? It's almost opposite. You would think that if your heart was hard, the devil couldn't get in. But it's just the opposite. If your heart is soft and pliable and plantable, he can't reach in the soil and pull out seeds in your heart unless you let him. You would almost think, well, if I got my heart hard, nobody can get in. That's what the world teaches you. You know, you get hard as a rock. Well, if I'm hard as, hard as a rock and I don't cry anymore and everybody, you know, all this stuff, and you're, I'm tough, I got this. Yeah, that's the weakest point you've ever been in your life. You want to be strong and hard as a man. I'm talking to the men, really, because that's, big man, we can't cry. You know, nobody makes me cry. I can't do that. I'm too tough. We're actually weak. If you cry and you're okay with it, you're a strong person because God can, that means God can move in your heart. Amen. Amen. And a heart that God can move in is the strongest heart you can find. Oh, me. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And that goes for the ladies, too, of course. Amen. Amen. So when the word goes forth at church, you can say it that way, and it's planted, if our hearts are soft, the word will actually be sown. And if we're guarding our gardens, guarding our heart, Satan can't steal it from us. Amen? Amen. All right. Last page. Here we go. You all had a good time so far? Yes. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Last couple notes, and I got one more scripture to give you. Um, I don't know if you have. You don't have to put it up, but my last scripture is Mark 4:20 in the message. But I'm not going to read it just yet. So here we go. Revival, revival spreads like wildfire when people are putting up guards in their hearts to protect it, letting down their guard to Jesus. If you want to say it that way, then they start hearing the word. They start understanding the word of God and they start seeing the word work in their lives. And there is no better witness than the testimony of someone who has seen the word of God work in their lives. Millions of Christians go to church, but I can't say the millions of of Christians that see the word of God work. I I would unfortunately say there's a select few. I don't want to just say our circle, but... How many people out there have believed God or, or they thought they were and didn't get nothing, but they hard heart, they don't have the word working for them. The greatest witness in our lives to anybody is when we have the word of God working for us. And people around you are getting the same paycheck as you and they go, sheesh. I mean, we work together, but things are just better for you. How come your life is so much better? You know, I can't be an example like that with a heart full of stone. You know, I come to church and their message is preached and then they go, well, what would you get out of it? And you're like, oh, uh, Jesus is good. Jesus is, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Woo, Jesus is Lord. You know it. Amen. Praise God. No, what did you get out of service? Mm, well, you know, they've taught and worship. The offering was really good, you know, that kind of thing. And I've been there. I had a time in Go Ministries where I was kind of going through the motions and nobody did anything wrong. They just asked me, hey, they had their notebook and they're like, what'd you get out of service? And I went, <clears throat> you mean the parts I wasn't asleep or, you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, my eyes got opened real quick. I went, oh man, what did I get out of service? That was a three hour service. It was a special night service, whatever. And I went, why did I even go to that service? I didn't even get, my notebook was empty. Why did I even go? I didn't get anything. I should have stayed home. I mean, I'm just saying, like, why go if I'm not going to get anything? Of course, go to church. But in my mindset, I'm an all or nothing personality. And I thought, What's the point of going to these things if I'm not going to get anything out of it? The next service, I didn't do right either. I, I didn't get anything. But I noticed I had like two notes, and the person next to me had like four pages front and back. And I was like, what are they writing down? 
They're right here next to me. We're sweating together. And I'm like, what, what is the deal? And they're just writing away. And then they'd say notes, and the people around me, they'd go, oh, my God. I hear them like, what did they say? I missed it. I didn't hear anything. What, did, what was that? You know, and then like, they'll say one random note. I'm like, oh, that was good. They're all writing it together. I'm like, yeah, I'm writing, taking notes, baby. I got it. And then they'll say something else, and everybody looks their heads down and starts writing. I'm like, what are, they, what are they hearing? I don't understand. The softer my heart got, I started hearing basically the same message. I went, oh, this stuff is really good. But it was the softer my heart got, the softer my soil was. And when the Pastor Mac was out there sowing seed and throwing the word of God out there, I'm catching seeds going into my heart, and I'm going, whoo, this is awesome. And my life started to change, and I got far enough in the internship, and glory to God, my wife came along. And I went, oh, man, glory to God. I knew if my heart was hard, I wouldn't get anybody. So, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to be with an old grump and... You know, if you knew me back in 2011, I wasn't the nicest person ever, but hopefully I'm a lot better now. So I used to be a little bit of a hothead, so hopefully I'm not now. But anyways, my point is, is, is what made me, and I'm not saying I'm great, but what made me a better person, what helped me get on my path and get along the, the path that I should be going is a better heart, Amen. softer soil. And I'm not telling you don't come to church. I'm just saying there's no point in going to any church service. If you're planning on going to Southwest, if you're not going to receive anything, save your money and go home and stay home. I'm just saying there's no point in going if you're not going to receive anything. You, I mean, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I'm a parent. We've got two kids. Sunday morning is Sunday morning, baby. We've got to get up early. Why have you eaten your breakfast? You've been sitting there 20 minutes. Well, there was a bird on the deck. I was watching it. And then I was trying to think, just eat your biscuit. Why aren't your clothes on? Well, Ezra... Oh my goodness gracious, where are you, where are your shoes disappeared? Why are your shoes not on? And, oh, and all these things. It's a family commitment to get here on time. You know, I always feel like in the next building, we should have like a fast lane. We're like, two-wheel two entries are welcome. Everybody out, go, go, go. And everybody funnels out of the van and they run inside the double doors and, you know, that kind of thing. Because families do it. It's not just us. Every family does. It's a commitment to be here. But I'm just saying, don't come if you're not going to get anything. Amen. There's no point. You know, I mean, it's one thing for your little ones to be, like, still learning about the importance of the word. And you may ask them, would you, what would they teach in church? And they may go, I forgot. Well, there's seven. It's, you know what I mean? They're not 35. It's a different story. We know better in here to get something and take your notes in church and walk away with something. You know? How many notes you take is the proof of the growth that you made. Amen. Amen. Here's our last scripture. It's 12 o'clock. We got to go. Mark 4.20 says, But the seed planted in the good earth, not the beaten path, the seed planted in the good earth, the good soil, represents those who hear the word and embrace it. And it, well, I say it this way. But the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word and embrace it and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Okay. The wildest dreams part in a harvest is, I'm not talking just financially, I'm talking about your life, how happy you are, where's your, where's your heart at, you know, and all that. We can't have any of those good things if our heart is hard. I wrote this down. It is out of a protected heart, full of the word, meaning the word wasn't stolen, okay? It is out of a protected heart, full of the word, that revival can consume any church. It isn't just, we're having revival tonight, and we sing some songs, and it's a Tuesday night out of norm, and we sing these things. That's not revival. Revival is, is when everybody goes, yeah, I understand what this word's capable of, and I'm here to get something. 
And every service that goes by, we're getting something, we're getting something. And I love that because that's when, you, when Christmas time comes around, you can kind of do a year evaluation of yourself. Am I the same person as last year? Right. You know, that kind of thing. We always say, no, I'm the, no, I mean, really. Are you the same person as last year? Because I've had times where I'm going, oh, I might be a little worse, actually. Maybe I should fix that, you know? I'm just, you got to be honest with the Lord, and he can fix things for you, amen? With our hearts guarded, we make more room for the word in our hearts. With our hearts guarded, not letting junk in, we make more room for the word in our hearts. And when we do that, we go up in our lives and everything around us will follow. Amen? Glory to God. Awesome. I think I ended just on time. Uh, the last one? Sure. Absolutely. Glory to God. I learned a lot studying. With our hearts guarded, we make more room for the word. Meaning you won't let bitter. Bitterness isn't taking up space. Jealousy, selfishness isn't taking up space. Amen? When we guard our hearts, we make more room for the word. You could almost say you make more room for seed to be planted, if you want to say it that way. Because room taken up is room taken up. With our hearts guarded, we make more room for the word in our hearts. And when we do that successfully, we go up in our lives and everything around us will follow. Amen. Well, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, that we had the opportunity to gather today and come together and hear your word and have a chance to receive the word in our hearts and grow. We thank you that we have a building to do this in. We thank you, Father, for the future of all that you have for us. And we commit now to letting the junk in our hearts go and getting that out of the way. And we prepare our hearts. You know, I always say this now, but prepare our hearts for what you have in store for us. And we do that. We're going to have tomorrow morning we're coming and we start our week and everything, and we thank you, Lord, that you open our eyes to the areas in our lives where we maybe are missing it, where we're wrong, and things that need to change, and there's these weights that we don't know are there. We thank you, Lord, that you'll expose those things to us, and we can get rid of it, and you can invade our hearts in that way and have those parts of our hearts. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.